Welcome to DogCast episode 118. Dogs beat the catamounts of Western Carolina 45 to 16 and nobody's feeling good about it. Episode number 116, I'm sorry, 118. 118. 118 of the Dogcast. Uh, I'm your host, Derek, and I've got with me my trusty co-host, as always, The Truth. The old one, the old dog, sitting here. We're in the bunker. We're back in the bunker after a big win by the Bulldogs yesterday, 45-16. to 16. And uh, I tell you, dog fans, a lot of you, maybe, I know a lot of you, if you were at the game yesterday, you didn't probably didn't see the game. And I'm just going to open this up. We're going to give you all the stats. We're going to tell you about how who performed well and who performed bad. We're going to do everything that we normally do on the Dogcast. But I want to preface this show by saying that um, you guys are going to hear some stuff out of us today that I bet a lot of you are not expecting. We're going to tell you something. We're going to bring a dose of the truth that you guys may or may not be expecting today. And frankly, I'm a little uncomfortable with it. This is the first time in podcast in our podcast history that we've had to do a show like this. So, uh, we're coming off a big victory, 45-16, to 16, old dog. Um, before we get to the bad, let's talk about the good, you know. Uh, Matthew Stafford had a pretty good game yesterday. Um, you know, he was uh, did some things. No Sean Moreno at 90, 94 yards yesterday. Um, let's see, what was, let's see, Stafford was 14 of 20 for 174 yards. Joe Cox came in through a 34-yard touchdown. Uh, D'Amico Goodman had a fantastic catch. Couple uh, drops. Couple and drops. And a missed block. And a missed block, but he won fantastic catch in the corner of a nice touch pass from Joe Cox. Not the kind of pass we always see out of uh, Mr. Stafford, but, um, you know, all in all, it was a workmanlike performance. You know, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a job. The, the dogs came out, didn't really look great in the first quarter. Uh, Trenton Sturdivant jumped off sides and completely missed his block, didn't even wave at the defensive lineman as he passed on his way to slamming into Matt Stafford's backside to cause a fumble which set up Western Carolina's first field goal. Finished the first quarter 3-3, three to three, and then uh, we scored three touchdowns in the second quarter. But, um, dog fans, I, I got to tell you, we can't go much longer without me just telling you, really, Georgia won yesterday, 45-16. They, the Georgia Tech got their butts whipped, which is generally a win-win for us. And we won the doubleheader yesterday. Yeah, it's like winning the doubleheader. You usually feel good. And uh, I tell you, it's a pretty somber mood down here in the bunker today. It, it really is somber, guys. I'm telling you, if you didn't see the game and you weren't there and you don't really know what happened, I'm here to tell you guys in a way that I haven't told you before since we've been doing the podcast, we're really not good. I mean, I don't know any other way to say it. We've got some big, glaring problems that are not going to be solved very quickly. Old Dog, why don't you start by talking about, let's talk a little bit more about the game yesterday. Let's talk about that. I'm going to bring up 
the stats from our recruiting classes of yeah. 03, 04, and 05. Well, I tell you, let's, you know, and I guess we can kind of break it down a little bit. And let's talk about defense first. Uh, to start with, you've got just a really miserable one double eighteen that scored 16 points on you. Nine were really came in the heat of the game, and their last touchdown was pretty much against our uh, reserves, probably second team, really probably mostly third string guys in there. But I tell you what, if I am the coach at Alabama, Florida, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, maybe even Ole Miss, I am just salivating when I start looking at this game film. Because I tell you what, our linebacking core, I can't remember one play where they were actually in position to do what they needed to do. And our defensive backs are even worse than that. They really, from the defensive line back, we really don't have a clue of what we should be doing and where we should be. I, I think it's important to note here. Guys, let me tell you, dog fans, here's the problem. We've got we've just got a lot of youth out there. We had a senior, Brandon Miller, yesterday, got replaced for the start. As you heard on the podcast, the pregame show, we had Akeem Dent out there. Now Akeem Dent is a fantastic athlete, great ball player out of Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm sure someday he may be a great linebacker. But the problem on our linebacking core and our defensive back core is we've got so little experience out there that our kids are just not attacking on defense. They are not sure where they're supposed to be. So what they end up doing is not really being anywhere. They're waiting on their heels and hoping to get an early read and react with athleticism that, you know, that's the earmark of our defense right now. But the problem is we are not stepping up at the point of attack. We're not meeting running backs in the hole. Our defensive backs have no confidence in their – we just have no confidence on defense, and it really shows. Well, and – Two, our lack of experience does because you hit the nail on the head there, too, talking about reacting. And our linebackers and defensive backs are going for every fake there is. Yeah. And that just comes from experience, and that comes from experience in games that you don't get in practice. But that's experience that should come when you're put in as a freshman or a redshirt freshman in the game in the fourth quarter, replacing a junior or senior when you've already when the game is already well in hand. Uh, you know, we do miss Keelan Johnson back there some, but I tell you, one guy is not going to make the difference no. on this. We are just in, we're going to be in for a long season. I hate to say that. I mean, I'm always optimistic. I'm probably one of the most optimistic people there is when it comes to Georgia football. Me, and me I'm even more optimistic than you. And Derek and I were sitting yesterday drinking a little bit of Matthew Stafford Kool-Aid sitting here in the bunker. And I tell you what, probably the best we can do this year is 7-5, and five, and I think we're looking at 6-6. Six and six. Really? The best case, I mean, yeah, we both, we broke this down, guys. And, I mean, I'm telling you, I hate to come in here and do a show that's a downer after a 45-16 win. I can't even believe we are doing that. But this is just the facts. We There's just nothing. Don't be fooled by that stinking score and those stats. I'm telling you guys, 
we've got real problems. Our offensive line is two years away at least from well, being and, and let's talk about the offensive line for a second. We started two freshmen at tackle. I don't think, and, and I don't know this for sure, but I would be willing to bet that there's never been an SEC team that has started two freshmen at the tackle position in a regular season game. Absolutely. And not, not, not in the modern era that I can yeah. think of. And, you know, Sturdivant, I think he's going to be a great ball player. The fact that he's even doing what he's doing as a true freshman is a testament to his skills. But as we've said before, you've got boys out there playing against men. By comparison, Georgia Tech's offensive line last night that got manhandled by Boston College is three seniors and two juniors. And you just cannot make up for that. You, you just can't. You, you can't overcome that week in and week out. And, dog fans, after that game last night, we, you guys all saw what Alabama did with Arkansas. Every one of you knows what Kentucky did with Louisville. You saw how you know Auburn's down this year, too. I think the, the good news is I think we're ahead of Auburn. But I'm telling you. And we don't play Mississippi State. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm telling you, Tennessee, Florida, Kentucky, Alabama, those are going to be tough games for us, guys. They're going to be really tough. And I, I hate to be a downer about it. But, man, yesterday just didn't feel good. It didn't feel good. No, we, we played an extremely sloppy game. And if it hadn't been against a one double a doormat it well could have gone another way Gosh, I, know, I mean it was just it, you almost cringe when you'd see the linebackers overrunning the play out of position on every down same thing with our defensive backs uh, offensive line you know ideally kid comes in you're red shirted he sits out his red shirt freshman year doesn't play a whole lot Maybe when he's a sophomore, he gets a little play in time, and then when he's a redshirt junior, he's on the field. He's got probably 50 more pounds of muscle mass, and he's been in the program three years and understands it. Because there is no position that takes more physical skill and mental skill than the offensive line. This isn't like getting some hotshot quarterback or some hotshot tailback that can come in as a freshman and change things around. And you've got a lot of the same issues on that linebacker, too. I mean, no you don't have hotshot wide receiver. It's not like you said, it's not like having a hotshot wide receiver come in who can make an impact as a freshman. These guys have got to get some seasoning, they've got to get some size, and they've got to move with authority. They've got to anticipate. And we just don't have any anticipation on defense. And right now on offense, I mean, our offensive line problems are, are well chronicled right here on this show. And, um, you know, uh, no Sean Moreno is fantastic. The human highlight film. He continues yeah. to be the, the player we all knew he would be. Thomas Brown ran for a touchdown, caught a touchdown yesterday. But I'm telling you guys, just, I mean, I'm, we're trying. <laughs> I'm really trying to aggressively lower your expectations. Because if you're not watching these dogs play, if you didn't see that game yesterday, I know all of you saw the South Carolina game where we looked completely inept and we couldn't stop the run and we couldn't do things on offense, we couldn't do things on defense. I'm telling you, we, that's really what we're all about We right didn't play any better yesterday, than, yesterday we before. than we did against South Carolina. We Absolutely. just played a much, much weaker opponent. 
Um, here's something we wanted to talk about, too, dog fans. This is something Old Dog and I were talking about yesterday on our way back to the bunker, about these recruiting classes and really specifically how the offensive line got here. So what I'm doing is, what we wanted to look up is what happened in 03 and 04, especially 04 and 05. But I'm looking at the recruit list. I'm going to give you guys some names. Old Dog, I want to tell you some names here. Um, 2003, offensive line recruits. You got Trey Chandler, who is 6'6", 255. He is not with the team anymore. Um, Tom Gaines, 6'6", 260. As far as I know, not with the team anymore. Probably had bad shoulders. Yeah. Coach Callaway liked a kid with a bad shoulder. Nick Jones, not with the team anymore. James Lee, not with the team anymore. Paul Oliver and Leonard Pope, not with the team anymore. Um, Fernando Velasco. He's there doing... They're Doing what he can. That was all. That's all of our 2003 commits. I, and of course, Leonard Pope and Paul Oliver aren't offensive line commits. But anyway, all right. Then looking at 2004, I hope you guys can hear me because I'm turning around away from the mic here. But um, you got Chester Adams, okay? Chester Adams getting it done. And then here's something on for 2004, we had a grand total of three offensive line recruits. In 2004, under Neil Calloway's, I mean, I we I know you guys think we're beating a dead horse here, but th this stuff is real. I mean, this is a real problem. And this and, is why we're in the situation we are now. And when you guys think about, oh, I'm sick of Mark Rick and Dagum Stacy Searles ain't getting it done, think about this. 2004, we signed a total of three offensive linemen. One of them is a starter right now. Two of them, Randall Swoops and Seth Watts are no longer with the team, okay? Now, looking forward to 2005. You might be wondering, what happened to those 2005 guys? Well, let's look and see what Neil Calloway did in his, uh, here. Okay, for 2005, we have a grand total of one offensive line recruit. One offensive lineman, dog fans. I mean, we probably had, what do we have, um... Wide receivers, let's see, we had one, two... Oh, we got them by the boatload. Oh, we, we had four wide receivers and uh, two quarterbacks that year and one offensive lineman. Um, that kid was Ian Smith. Ian Smith, fantastic recruit, as you guys all know, flamed out with the university and washed out of the program completely this year because of health reasons, because he wasn't going to be a starter and he wasn't getting it done out of Carsonville, Georgia. So we had one offensive line recruit in 2005. And I'm telling you guys, <laughs> this really matters. I mean, you know, I don't really care about recruiting so much, but Old Dog has always told me that where the rubber meets the road is offensive line recruiting. Now, last year, you had Justin Anderson, Chris Davis, Josh Davis, Ben Harden, John Miller. We had uh, Kevin Perez, Keontae Tripp, and Clifton Gathers, guys, we had about eight or nine right there last year. But those kids just aren't ready to play right now. They're not ready to go yet. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight offensive line recruits last year. After two years where we didn't have but four total. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's inexcusable what happened. Uh, you should be signing a minimum of five or six offensive linemen every year. Absolutely. You have got to have those kids on the line. And I tell you what, I mean, the shape we're in now should be no surprise 
and Neil Callaway was a horrible coach, but I tell you, you can't put the entire blame on him. Some of this lies with the head coach. Absolutely. Because, I mean, Coach Rick had to know what was going on and seeing, I don't have any offensive linemen. I don't have any offensive linemen. What's going on? I mean, you know, it's just time after time. And Derek and I were talking yes, last night. You know, we've got a couple seniors on both sides of the ball, and then it's all freshmen, redshirt freshmen and sophomores. <laughs> what happened? to those three recruiting classes. Because every year, you know, we're top ten, we're top five. You know, which tells you how much the scouting services and stuff know about how well some high school kid's going to play college football. But the fact that we don't have a lot of seniors and juniors out on the field playing for the University of Georgia shows a lack of our ability to recruit a kid that is going to stay in school and perform on the football team. Uh, right now, outside you got Keelan Johnson and basically Brandon Miller. Who Brandon Miller, you know, we want him to do good. I he's keep hoping he's going to do good, but I'm telling you guys, he doesn't work hard enough off the field. He's a physical machine, but he doesn't get it done upstairs and in the classroom. And, you know, he got replaced this week by Akeem Dent. And uh, on the on the offensive side of the ball, you got Thomas Brown and Craig Lumpkin. You got Brandon Sutherland, who's a junior. But really, we have a and real you, lack and you of got senior two offensive line and Trip Chandler. You know, what I mean, but we really got a lack of we got a, we just have a lack of leadership, a lack of depth. And what we're trying to do here, dog fans, is really ratchet down the expectations for this season. Because I'm telling you guys, it's going to get ugly before it gets better. And I mean, you folks out there, we need to realize that we are playing, the vast majority of our players are one and two years out of high school. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. I'm telling you. And they are playing in the toughest conference in the world. <laughs> Absolutely. Actually in the known universe. <laughs> and, I mean, I hate to be a downer, and it's not to say I'm going to be in Sanford Stadium I'm going to be cheering them on, but I'm telling you, it's going to be a long, hard season. And I guess what I'd like to tell you is not that these kids don't have the ability, and next year, the year after that, they're going to be good. Yeah, we're going to get some better. Of them, some of them may be great, but right now, what makes you better is playing time and experience and we are sorely lacking in both of them, along with some pretty damn dismal coaching too. I, I got between John Eason and John Fabris and Rick, Mark Rick, who I love. I don't want anything. I don't want you guys to think that I'm. Ta- you know, I love Coach Rick, and I'm going to ride with him, and I'm going to support him all the way. But you can't look at our 2004 and 2005 recruiting classes and say that you're shocked that we don't have any offensive linemen in the well right now. And you cannot hang it on Stacy Searles and say, well, Stacy Searles isn't all that as an offensive line coach. He's gotten, he's doing the absolute best that I think that can be done with an empty cupboard of players. I mean, we're not really going to be able to judge Coach Searles for two or three years from now. At least. Uh, you know, he needs to get his recruits in, and he needs time for them to develop, 
and he's working with the people he's on now. And I tell you somebody else that needs to be called out here is our recruiting coordinator, Ronnie Gardner. Absolutely. If he's I mean, going to be because, the coordinator, he's got to be watching everything, because, not just running backs and quarterbacks. Because this is going this is going on under his watch, and I know he was a stud up at Tennessee, and every time someone wants to hire him, everyone's heart gets a flutter thinking we may lose this guy. But I'm telling you what, you need to look at the people we've got on the field now, and the fact that we have so few seniors and juniors playing does not speak well for our recruiting program and the type of kid we're getting in. Because I'm telling you, Leonard Pope went to the NFL, a couple defensive linemen did, but the vast majority of these kids that are coming in aren't playing pro football. No. And you look and at kids like the Darius Ward, and I mean, you know, we're, we're just, man, we're just... We're just in a bad way right now, dog fans. And I'm telling you, we won 45 to 16 yesterday. It was a good win. You guys can listen to the dog dial. You can hear what we said yesterday. We were a little more optimistic and happier yesterday. That's because we've been drinking. That's true. But I'm telling you, on this podcast, guys, we tell you what's really going on in Athens and what we really think. And we think that's why you guys listen to us. That's why you appreciate the show. And I'm telling you, the 45 to 16 is not indicative of what we got going on right now. And you, I mean, I told my kids this morning, and their short little histories as dog fans, this is going to be probably the worst season that they've ever experienced as a dog as a dog fan. And I'm, you know, something could come together. These kids could grow up in a hurry and maybe show. But I'm telling you, in the real world, it usually doesn't happen that way. Well, and I'm I not looking you, forward to that. An offensive lineman's not going to put on thirty or forty pounds of muscle mass between now and the Florida game. No. And that's what these guys need. Uh, you know, you were talking about it, and probably probably half of our audience won't remember it, and the other half will. But I tell you, this is 1999 all over again. Man, I hate when he says that. That's the year we lost to every ACC team we played. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's talk about that. That's just in the spirit of post-game breakdown. We did hold Western Carolina to 63 yards rushing. We did hold them to 138 yards passing. They had a 201 yards total offense. We had about 362, you know. Um, we've got a tough game coming up in Tuscaloosa. We think that game's going to be a 745 ESPN2 kickoff. Um, we'll be back with the pregame show this week to let you know what we think about Alabama. We're going to have, we might even have some guest hosts of the Tidecast guys come in. And, um, and we'll be back to our normal folks. We'll joke around a little bit. We're going to talk about how bad South Carolina's going to be get beat down there when they travel to LSU. Yeah, that's the good news. They're going to get their ass hand to them. The other good news is Auburn is even worse than we are. So, yeah. you know, we didn't lose to Mississippi State yesterday, so that's good. But um, And that, we won't lose to them this year. That's right. That's right. So, you know, dog, I just, I don't know. I hate to be a downer. And I know this is not what you guys are expecting after a 45-16 loss. And... We want to thank our friends over at Jones Petroleum for Absolutely. hosting us yesterday. Hosted us in, had us up in their skybox. It was it was great. If you guys ever get a chance, if y'all are in Athens, check out the little quick trips, the little QT uh, gas stations. That's owned by Jones Petroleum. That's Burt Jones and his people, his mom and dad, and they hosted us, treated us like family, and we really want to support those guys. They did a great thing for us yesterday, and uh, we want you guys to know how much we we appreciate y'all's support, and if y'all listeners are here in Athens, give us give uh, the quick trips of your business, man, because those guys are those guys are right in the family, and uh, they got good gas prices too. Yeah, so. and don't you know? I know, as Derek said, a lot of you are hearing stuff you don't want to hear. 
or hear stuff you didn't expect. Especially, especially you young bulldogs. This is this. These are words that are going to hurt your ears. <laughs> yeah, we're but 1999 all over again. And and we're not being pessimistic. Unfortunately, we're just being realistic. We really are. We're and optimistic, and I love the Bulldogs, and I love Coach Rick, and I hope we win every game. And we love your feedback, but I tell you what, until we get steady recruiting of linemen, both offensively and defensively, we fire John Eason and Coach Fabris. I mean, it's just, again, our kickoff coverage was horrendous. Let's see, um, let me... Let's see. They averaged. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to figure out what their net yard returns. They averaged 26 yards per Western I Carolina. I guarantee you, they had more yards on their return than their running game did running from the line of scrimmage. Oh, I, can, I got the stat for you right here, old dog. The Western Carolina, one of the very worst one double A schools. The team that has now has 12 losses in a row, nine losses in a row to Southern Conference teams. Had 201 yards total offense yesterday. How much do you think they had on kickoff yards return? Kickoff return yardage. I'm betting they had over 100. They had over 200. Holy cow. They had 200 yards, 211 yards on eight kickoff return opportunities. They averaged 27 yards per kickoff return. And this is Western Carolina, guys. This is not, you know, Urban Meyer's special teams unit. This is not Nick Saban's special teams unit. This is Western Carolina hanging 211 yards of kickoff returns. And, again, not to beat a dead horse to death, but, fellas, you know exactly like I do. This is not some kind of apparition that happened this year. Our kickoff coverage and our receivers dropping balls is epidemic. It's chronic. It's, it's a problem that's year in, year out for the last four or five years. And something has got to happen. You either need to get rid of the players or you need to get rid of the coaches. And I don't think you're going to get rid of the players. Something, something is happening to our receivers. We're bringing kids in that can catch and for some reason they can't. And I tell you, it's different on kick coverage. It's our, it's our philosophy on how we want to cover a kick coverage. I tell you, this business of kicking it high and kicking it to a spot somewhere between the 5 and 10 yard, Coach, it ain't working. It's not working this year. It didn't work last year. It didn't work the year before that. Find somebody that can kick the damn ball in the end zone through the end zone, and let's bring it out to the 25. Like like South Carolina does. Yeah. That kid suck up. I mean, he has, he's doing over 80% in touchbacks right now. I it mean, can be done. They exist. Yeah, they exist. Those kinds of kickers are out there. And if your philosophy is to kick it and you don't see how poor we are doing, then you need to get your ass out of the University of Georgia and hit the road and maybe go join your friend Neil Calloway at Alabama-Birmingham or whatever he ended up. Well, they'll end up with no offensive linemen in three or four years. And to speak to our other chronic problem about receivers, you know, you can pay all the lip service you want, John Eason, to all the different ideas you've got and all the programs and you're firing tennis balls at receivers and all. But whatever you're doing is not working. And to do more of that, to improve upon it, to heap it on, to pour it on, is not helping us. 
You're taking great four-star receivers, recruits that get it done. You see those kids at Alabama, those kids at Kentucky last night catching the ball? I know you listeners saw those kids catching the ball in the end zone. Those kids catch the ball. What is the problem? While they're covered, we drop the damn thing when we're wide open. That kid from Alabama on that last touchdown with no time on the clock, he went up and over, you know, Michael Johnson style, and and fought for the ball and came down with it. Kentucky had two or three receptions like that where the receiver actually fought and got his hands on the ball and caught it. Came down with it. We I got, saw Georgia Tech receivers doing that last night. We've got balls that are hitting our receivers in the hand, in their hands. Well, they're wide open, and we can't hang on to them. And it just clangs off of their shoulder pads, and they got nothing for it. Sean, and Sean Bailey had a good day yesterday, but he also had a bunch of drops. And that you can't say you had a good day if you're dropping balls. No. All right, dog fans. That's it. We're, we're going to wrap we're up hot. this happy I mean, show. We're hot. <laughs> It's a, it's a great day here in the bunker, and I tell you, I, like I said, you young dogs I, and, and listeners, new listeners, I don't want you guys to think that we're negative. I mean, we're just not, but our job is to tell you what's real and, we've and what's got to, going on. We've got to be realistic, and I tell you, we are, we are not a competitive SEC school this year. And there are definite and exact and quantifiable reasons why that is true. And that is our job to tell you what's really going on with our staff and our players. And that's what we're here for. Now we'll be back, and we're going to tell you how we're going to kick Alabama's ass in Tuscaloosa. Because we've only done it one time in school history, and that was under Mark Rick in 2002, and I believe we can get it done again. I really believe that. I do. I do, I do, I do. Your nose is growing just like Pinocchio. <laughs> I know right now. we're going to beat Alabama, man. <laughs> I know we are. So, dog fans, we'll be back with a pregame show. That'll come out on Thursday night. You guys download it, check us out. Uh, we appreciate you listening. You can call us at 706 534 1516, or you can email us at gmail.com. We are the voice of reason. We're not a bunch of old players telling you how everything is hunky-dory and we're going to get it together. We are telling you what's real. By fans, for fans. And we're telling them not only that, but we're telling you the problems that we have and we're telling you the reasons for them. Who caused it, why it is the way it is, and what it's got to be to get done better. And, and I'm with Derek. I don't think we could have a better coach than Coach Rick. But not everyone is perfect. And he needs to realize he needs to make some changes on his coaching staff. This isn't some knee-jerk thing because we've had one game where we haven't covered kickoffs well. Or we had one game where receivers dropped the ball. I'm not talking two games. I'm talking years. Absolutely, dog fans. And like I said, this is a chronic Problem And Coach Rick, I know he's the most loyal, nice, I know he's a Christian, and I know he's a good man, and I know he takes his team and his team philosophy seriously, and he takes loyalty and things like that, and that's what makes him great. That's what makes him successful. But sometimes... You have to nip. You have to. You have to correct problems. And if guys aren't getting it done, you can't just hope they get hired away so you can dodge the responsibility. Coach Rick is responsible, and he's got to make some changes to fix our receiving and our special teams. It's got to happen. And and Coach Gardner, if you need help figuring out 
who we need to sign and how many at each position, I'm more than happy to do it. I tell you, right now, we don't need any quarterbacks, we don't need any running backs, and we're pretty well set at wide receiver. So let's go out and get a whole lot of offensive linemen. And some defensive, and some defensive linemen. Right. And let's get some linebackers in there, too, to put in the thing. I think we're okay, or will be, at uh, defensive back. We've got plenty of those. They're just young and inexperienced. But anyway, that's it. Uh, we won. Tech lost. We should be happy, but I'm not. Dog fans, that's going to be it for us on this show. Thanks for listening. We'll be back on Thursday with the Alabama University of Georgia pregame show. Go dogs! If you would like to leave a, an audio comment for the Dog Nation podcast, just call 706-534-1516. What's up, Dogcast? It's Drew from Athens. I uh, just calling about the game and some other stuff. Uh, I thought the game was, uh, I mean, it was, it was good at parts, but pretty bad at other parts. I mean, there was times where our defense couldn't stop a driving Western Carolina. It's kind of scary when I saw the Florida game, thinking about thinking a couple weeks ahead. You know, but I have to say, though, the notion looks pretty good, pretty freaking good. In fact, so good. I want you guys to hit me up with a recipe with the notion Kool-Aid. I mean, that Stafford Kool-Aid is great and everything. But uh, I want, next episode, I want the I want the recipe for the Noshan Kool Aid. Okay. Anyways, guys, uh, you know we won, but uh, definitely definitely some room for improvement. And uh, interested, in what do you guys have to say about the game? Anyways, Drew from Athens, I'm out of here. Hey guys, I was calling in um, say I was glad to see that Coach Rick had put uh, Joe Cox in the game today. Going down to Alabama next week, uh, I was wondering what your thoughts are on uh, putting Joe Cox in as a starter instead of Matt Stafford since uh, Matt hasn't shown so much consistency this year. Let me know your thoughts.